Is it possible that as a leader, you've been taking the wrong advice and focusing on the wrong things? And could changing just a few simple ways in which you look at things actually change everything? I'm Charles Araujo, and this is the Transform IT Show, presented by the Intel IT Center. A few weeks ago, I sat down with Susan Cram at her home in Southern California. Susan is a former programmer and, like me, a recovering consultant. She became a CIO at the age of 32 and went on to become the CFO of a large restaurant chain before becoming a highly respected coach and author. And she thinks that at least in some ways, you might be doing things all wrong. I'll let her explain, but her contrarian views are definitely thought-provoking. If you're watching this episode at airtime, don't forget to participate in our live Twitter chat. Use hashtag ITChat to join in. And if you're not, make sure you tune in live next time to participate in the conversation. All right, settle in for a thought-provoking conversation that may just change how you look at your career. I'm here with Susan Cram, former CFO at Chevy's Restaurant, a former CIO and author of the book, The Eight Things We Hate About IT. Susan, welcome to the Transform IT Show. Well, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity. Oh, I'm, I'm, it's a, such a pleasure to have you. I've been a fan for a long time. And in fact, one of the things that has made me such a fan is you have this kind of practical, pragmatic approach to some of the really sticky issues that face us as IT professionals and I think really even as business professionals. So I'm curious, can you tell us a little bit about your personal journey and maybe how you developed that kind of pragmatic approach? Okay, well, first of all, thank you for following my work. I always uh, know that time is of an essence, so I really appreciate people who are willing to invest their time, so thank you. Um, you know, it was out of necessity. I learned uh, pretty quickly after I left consulting and joined uh, what we called industry was that there was only, they only got paid for results. So the theories only took you so far. So for me, it was all about being able to stay grounded in, in theory and principles, um, because I, my brain thinks in frameworks, but then be able to take it down and say, okay, so what? What do we do tomorrow? And I think that's, because I think a lot of times the challenge sometimes is that people have that kind of, maybe what they think is pragmatic, but what really is, is they get in the weeds, right? So how do you, how do you find the way to strike a balance? Because again, what I loved about it is, when, when in your work, it's not about in the weeds. It's not about you know the nitty gritty necessarily, but it's about how do you deal with these kind of philosophical challenges, but deal with them in a practical way. How did you find that balance? Well, part of it is experiences. I know you'll you'll um, uh, resonate with as well as anybody who's out there. Is that you know I started programming when I was in uh, college and continued through graduate school. So I have a high level of respect for the front lines of IT and um, how uh, the direction can get diluted and how important it is to uh, not only honor the people there but make sure that it's very, very clear in terms of what we want to accomplish. Uh, and then also I worked very hard in my career to ensure that I had breadth. So even though I started off earning uh, money during college and graduate school programming, I quickly went into consulting and kind of got a broader view after my, after my MBA. And then um, after a CIO, went to a CFO role. And all of that just to sort of make sure that I had the bigger picture. And that I, and that I actually had qualifications. Um, I remember leaving consulting and you know, like saying, like, why are you leaving? And it was clear to me that I had to leave because I had to find out how good I was 
in terms of whether or not all of you want to know if you actually knew something as a consultant? Yeah, no, I'm embarrassed to say I was one of those people that was an expert in payroll because I had a paycheck. You know, it was it was a little bit of gosh, that was in the early 80s. So it's a little bit of Wild West. So what I think is what I think is interesting and one of the challenges that I often put out there is that I think a lot of IT people get so immersed in the details that what they actually lose sight of is that big picture, that ability to kind of see the grand scheme of things and which is why I think in many cases they have trouble relating to their business counterparts that they're supposed to be working with and, and, and delivering solutions for. So now you made the jump, right? You, you were a CIO and then you became the CFO. Mm-hmm. So what advice do you have to somebody who is kind of sitting in that where they're maybe in this technical role but they have to figure out how to bridge this? What should they be doing? I think the most important thing that anybody who really wants staying power with an IT is they have to look at what their passions and their giftedness is. If they are an amazing technologist, they should honor that. And they should major in technology. And I said, but you still have to minor in business, which means you're going to, if you're actually not going to work in business-facing roles, that you have to invest uh, in getting to know people who do, riding the the trucks. I remember Frito was a division of PepsiCo and I was there. Um, and, And really investing, becoming a student and trying the best you can to shift perspectives. Did you do that? Did you go right into Believe me, after I, you'll love this, after I was, um, uh, before, as I moved from a CIO to a CFO role, the, the CEO who I was reporting to refused to have a CFO who had not worked in his restaurants. And so I had 10 weeks. I went from a CIO role and 10 weeks within the management training program. And so I started off washing dishes and uh, cleaning beans and cutting onions and tomatoes because it was Mexican food. Um, And actually, it was a relief (laughs) after being in a CIO role. It was a little bit nice to kind of uh, step back. Literally get your hands dirty. Oh, yeah. So, and I don't know about um, your experience, but I always uh, recommend um, with my clients, when things start looking a little bit muddled, meaning it's hard to tell uh, what's important and what's not, and uh, what information is credible, and what you, uh, it's important to just get the front line. So you just jump on a plane or get in your car or whatever you need to do, and just go hang out with the people who are actually delivering the service. Um, and that, I think, clarifies a lot. So I think uh, one of the things I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about leadership at least, at least a bit broadly. You uh, wrote a piece in Strategy and Business. I know you're a columnist with both Strategy and Business and Harvard Business Review. And you wrote this piece that was somewhat contrarian in my view, in that you talked about that sometimes, as a leader, you need to actually go in and roll up your sleeves and take on those most critical, most strategic initiatives yourself, rather than delegating, which kind of runs contrary to, I think, what a lot of management theory is right now. So why is that, and how should people respond to that? Thank you for bringing it up because it was quite controversial when it came down because and myself like a lot of coaches and leadership development uh, professionals would say you know you really need to pick the right team and then let them go. Well the problem is is that if you don't know how to do the work I mean like you can't even identify the steps what good looks like or even the targeted outcomes uh, you have to learn along with your staff. And just handing it over to some, you know, bright young thing, because that's who always gets these things, is the, you know, the, the, the shiny star who is asking for more work. And, and what happens is, is that you're going to give them something that you don't really understand. They're going to want to impress you 
with their abilities. So they're going to appear confident, if not feel confident, because it's sort of, you know, ignorance is bliss. And they're going to find themselves spinning. And you're going to find the initiative going nowhere. And they're going to start looking bad. It's kind of the, uh, what they call the um, uh, prince to pig phenomena, you know? Right. <laughs> Why were you used to be so good and now you're so bad? Um, and we want to protect our people. And we also want to make sure that um, we as leaders understand that some work is really hard and murky. And that um, once upon a time, we were individual contributors, staff people, analysts, uh, um, project managers, whatever. We have to remember how to roll up our sleeves. Um, should I tell you a story about where the blog came from? Please, please. Okay. I, I had, it, uh, my blog's, Almost all of my blogs come from my clients' experience. And when I start seeing common themes across my clients, I know, okay, there's something here that, that would benefit. And that's probably another answer to kind of the pragmatic view of it. And this was one of my clients wanted to reshape culture. And he had never done it before. So he found one of his best and brightest, and he gave him this job. And met with him like once every couple of weeks or so. And a year going nowhere until finally my client brought it up with me and said, um, can we talk about this? Maybe, maybe there's something <laughs> wrong here, right? Right, exactly. And so then the opportunity was to explain, help him understand how culture is reshaped and what that roadmap looks like. So how prevalent of a problem do you think this is? I mean, is this one of the roots of all evil in our current, I mean, I, I, I spent a lot of time working in very large IT organizations and I've kind of, I don't know if I've been able to crystallize it the way you have here, but you kind of see this, it's like, man, there's a major dysfunction going on. I mean, do you think this is a huge part of that? Well, I think anytime you say, you as a leader are frustrated, it's, I, I describe it as kind of Groundhog Day. It's another schedule, another delay, another, another series of issues, another series of risks, right? And you find yourself in there, it's time to just strip it apart, roll your sleeves up and, and die. So how do you do that without creating this micromanaging or the sense that from your team, it's like, oh yeah, so all the important stuff is being done by the boss and we get all the little menial stuff. I mean, how do you, how do you, because I mean, clearly we're all worried about succession planning and pipelines and how do we bridge these two together? Well, okay, so if you're in the situation where you actually knew that you didn't know what you were doing, then you get to take that bright young star and you get to hang out together and learn together. They will be developed and they will be flattered that they're hanging around with the boss. And you're saying, you know, we're going to learn this together because I've never done this before. And at some point, when I can set you up for success, you're going to get it. And it's going to be yours and I'm going to be here to support you. If you delegated or abdicated, as is the case with my client, then there's just a big I'm sorry that has to happen. You know, my job is to set you up for success. I haven't done that. I haven't done that because I didn't know what I was asking. You've helped me get smart and understood, helped me understand that this is more difficult than I thought. Again, why don't we roll up our sleeves up together? Now, you're, you're describing something that is very hard, I think, for a lot of leaders, a lot of, we'll call it the senior executives, mm -hmm. right? Because that message, and something I, I'm a huge believer in, but that message has a lot of humility in it, mm -hmm. right? A lot of, I don't have all the answers. I'm not, you know, the king and god of all things. 
right? so how, i mean i think so so for me anyway, that's a learning moment, right? this is how do we embrace that sense of humility? what advice do you have when you're dealing with senior execs or really anyone who has to have that conversation to bring that to the table? i don't think i was always humble. anybody who used to work for me calls calls me the kinder and gentler. Uh, the more mistakes i made, the humbler i got. and so i think there's a wisdom that's extracted over time. and if you're fortunate enough to be a younger leader and really understand that you have that the completion of uh, or the perfection of um, our capability is through understanding each other's gifts and bringing you know the right team together and that vulnerability actually evokes um, confidence and uh, generates trust and within that trust will be an authentic conversation that will help other people um, uh, rely on each other and will ensure progress. You've got you've got to get into the whole um, uh, gestalt of this. And unfortunately, we start off um, as leaders reflecting what we think we should be or do, rather than really reflecting who we are. And as soon as we stop trying to kind of catch up with this image of what we thought we were supposed to be. And then just kind of um, uh, and, and recognize uh, that uh, uh, no one has the answer, and we can find it together. Is when your organization really, really starts to jump. So not to put words in your mouth, but it kind of sounds like you're saying you need to be comfortable being yourself and not putting on these airs and not trying to act like maybe corporate society or corporate culture has has uh, put out that we should be. Is that? Yeah, and it takes a lot of time to figure out who you are. So that's actually a nice segue into my next question, which is uh, another contrarian view that you put out in another article uh, that was kind of almost the exact opposite. Sheryl Sandberg wrote this book called Lean In, mm-hmm. which was basically calling on women to you know, kind of bite the bullet and suck it up, if you will. And you wrote this article that kind of said, no, maybe that's not the case. If your, corporate, if your personal values aren't in line with the corporate values, of the organization, then maybe you should lean out and go create your own culture by doing something on your own. So I, first of all, did I get that right? And secondly, I think if, if, if I did, that's an important message, I think not just for women, I think for men and women, leaders that are stepping out. And so how would they actually respond to that suggestion? I just love it. Maybe it was with the book, Suck It Up. <laughs> I always thought her book should be called, um, If You Have to Work Full Time for Somebody Else, This Is How You Should Do It. Because in reality, it's saying you're not going to have control over the system. You're not going to have control over how your job's defined. You're not going to have control over the definitions of success. So if you want to look as good as you can within, you know, with you know, your arm tied behind your back and your mouth half open and one eye closed, then you know, this is good advice. So I just read it. And, I, and because I was a, a woman executive, I, made, I became a CIO at 32. And I worked a lot of years, and I had comments about the length of my skirt and all sorts of things that came through the ear. Um, and I could hear the wisdom in what she said, but it was, it was sort of necessary but not sufficient condition for success. And to portray that um, advice other than anything, make the best of a bad situation, I think was ingenuous or, or, or was possibly her, her worldview, probably not ingenuous, but her worldview about um, we all should work for somebody else 
uh, 60 hours a week and do some of it at work and do the rest at home. Okay, so is the, is the only answer that go out and do something on your own or is there an answer if you are gonna, I mean certainly a large part of the audience here is working in a large mm -hmm. corporate enterprise mm -hmm. of some sort. Yeah. Is there a way to kind of put those two together? Uh, well, I would not write a better book than, than she did, but I did want to give people an alternative point of view. Uh, we have such a, a vast uh, number of people in, in, in the U.S. And this is really, this is, talk about a first world problem. I mean, the ability to talk about how do I, you know, uh, um, am I successful in sort of this leadership role? I mean, there are many people in the world who don't have a choice about how they work, who they work for, and can't decide whether or not they're going to do their email at 9 o'clock at night or before they'd be blessed to have email right. to answer. Um, so recognize that we are definitely in sort of rarefied air here. Um, what I wanted to just encourage people to do is to say, you know, you don't have to live in this system. In fact, there's a woman named Lori Patterson who decided she wasn't going to anymore. So I just wanted to put forward a different point of view to say the only way that I know within the current kind of policy, social structure, and work definition to be able to treat, um, uh, to sculpt your job the way that it fits with kind of your whole person and the needs of the loved ones around you is to work for yourself or work for somebody like Lori who's said, you know, there's a better way to do this and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna build the company I wanna work for and that's what she did. So I'm, I'm curious about something because I, I do think there was a lot of controversy when that book came out and what it was saying. But I also think we're in a, an, an interesting transitionary time just in business in general. Are you seeing that some, maybe not the mega corporations, but mm -hmm. some even larger organizations are beginning to adapt their corporate cultures to allow for more of this, that, that we can start carving out this, and I, I don't really like the word balance, but a more integrated lifestyle? Right. Yeah, integration, I think, is, is, is the word. I think that we're seeing it on, uh, with people who are younger. And I think time will resolve this. I think if what I hear you saying is that we're going in the right direction, people are recognizing that we're, we, we are, that the skill sets of individuals and uh, are of world-class talent is a premium. And that we need to make sure that we have uh, organizations that can, organizations that are able to uh, more flexibly define the unit of work and the units of work into a job, then I'd say, yeah, we're going the right direction. So let me ask this another way, because I'm curious of something. If, I mean, if you are a senior executive or a senior leader on the rise, given everything you just said, what are some of the things that you can do to maybe create an environment that is a little bit more accepting, a little bit more integrated? Because I think the, what I loved about your articles is what the big message was is there's a better way. That you don't have to kill yourself. You don't have to, to succumb to this to produce great work and to have great results. Mm -hmm. And I think any, any organization in America, from the very biggest to the smallest, should be able to embrace that concept. If we can figure out how to harness these ideas mm -hmm. and harness a different way of working, mm -hmm. then we can have it all. We can really create these amazing results for our clients and for our employees, but do it in a way that works. Um, 
one of, one of the uh, keys is understanding what you want out of your life and defining that differently than maybe your parents define that for you and defining it more intrinsically rather than sort of externally and understanding the parts of your life that go that kind of go into that or comprise it and finding the intersection between them. So if you're passionate about um, uh, a cause, and I'm getting involved with more and more nonprofits, so it's hard for me not to think within that, you know, the so a social cause, how can you pull your family into that as well? And so as you're working, you're also uh, creating memories with your children uh, or strengthening the relationship with your significant other. It's the same thing with if, uh, when I was at, uh, um, when I was a CIO, I quickly realized, and I worked for a food company, I quickly realized that the value of what I did was the people that I invested in, and that was very you know, central to my passions and why I got up in the morning. And so I redefined the job as what can I do to help somebody else become the best version of themselves. And uh, the job became inherently less work and more satisfying. It still didn't mean that I work less hours. It still didn't mean that when they decided that I was ready for a bigger CIO role that they offered me one 3,000 miles away without, irregardless of who I was and who I was married to. So it didn't mean the system still worked for me, but I was finding my peace within that system. And I really think that's what uh, Ms. Sandberg's really doing. She was saying, you know, if you're here, make the most of it while you're here. Um, I wrote the article because I said, maybe you shouldn't be there. And somebody should give you permission. And here's 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 somebody who's done it differently. When, when I think what is interesting about it and what you're describing, I actually think is a huge gap. And, and I don't know if this is unique to IT or not, but certainly because IT people tend to be technical, they tend to be project driven. That there seems to be sometimes this lack of introspection. I, I will often mm -hmm. ask people that I meet, you know, so what is it? What is your goal in life out of all of this? And they kind of give me this strange look, like um, I don't know, I haven't really thought about that, right? right? So how much of an issue do you see that? I mean, do you see the same thing? And how can maybe people, I mean, because what you're describing is a process for going through that. Yes. What might people do to embrace that and maybe get that introspection? There are a lot of people who haven't given themselves the time to think deeply about who they are and what they, what they love and what they want to achieve and achieve not just within the um, view of business, but achieve in terms of their life. The process that I walk through as a coach is that's the first set of questions I ask because if, if people are going to uh, invest with me and through the homework I give them in, to become a better leader and to move towards their goals, they have to make that very, very clear. And the process, I, I've got a, a questionnaire that's pretty straightforward in terms of, of the questions it asks. It's not easy to complete. And so finding somebody who is willing to help you think deeply and reflecting back the implications of what you're saying and the inconsistencies uh, within your answers is critical, is critical. There's, uh, I generally find that people are saying, oh, you know, I really want to uh, own my own company, but I have, you know, three kids under five at home. Maybe a disconnect. Yeah, or, and that new company would require me uh, to travel. May not be the time 
that you want to do that. And just to be able to hold, have a kind of an independent person that's willing to kind of hold the mirror up, I think it can be very helpful. So let's make this a little bit personal. You had a, have had a very interesting career. So you were in the consulting side, then you were at IT as CIO, then you jumped onto the business side as a CFO, and then now you're a coach and you're working with organizations in both IT and, and business as well, right? This very interesting career. From your own personal journey, what is the the thing that maybe you kind of grasp onto that you look at that helped you chart this course that enabled you to kind of make your way on this journey in a way that got you to where you are? Um, I said yes. Powerful yeses and powerful noes. So when there was an opportunity when I was uh, uh, when I left consulting and started working in industry and there was a strategy, an organizational strategy in the company and they were hiring McKinsey to come in and work it. And I said, I want to do that. And they said, well, we didn't even ask you if you wanted to do it. <laughs> but I said, you really need my expertise on that. So I basically you know, applied for a job that wasn't open and sold myself onto it. So that would be kind of the powerful yeses. Um, because I knew that that would be meaty and fun and experienced and that kind of stuff. Um, the other um, is the powerful no's, which is when they uh, asked me if I wanted to be uh, a CIO of a very large company in the East Coast, and I was like, no, no, my, that would ruin my life, my marriage. And you just have to kind of settle in and get comfortable with that. Uh, it's helpful if you have a mindset of, of abundance versus scarcity um, so that you have the confidence to say, if not here, it'll be someplace else. Um, and it's not always easy to have the confidence. And if you were to ask me how to get the confidence, save your money, live below your means, have a bank account, be willing to say goodbye. Always be in a position to be able to turn away from the decision that isn't the right one for mm -hmm, you. Exactly. Interesting. You, and a lot of times you won't have to do turn away from it. It'll give you the courage to make the right decision. All right, so our last question here, one piece of advice. So our audience is mostly, I would call them the future IT leader, IT leaders on the rise, mm -hmm. at whatever level of the organization they might be. What is the one thing that in your estimation they should do tomorrow to put themselves on a path to be relevant in this future and all the stuff we're talking mm. about? So, well, it is a time of, of, it's a messy time. It's a chaotic time, for sure. Uh, everybody, hey, how are you? I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. The uh, Understand that you have just really two assets. You have your time and you have the people that you can influence. And you have to bring those things together. If, um, if, you're, if you don't have a clear sense of who you are and how you want to spend your time, and what success looks like, and able to align your work with that. That would be step one. The step, second step is to recognize that regardless of your position in the organization, leaders are at all levels. So as part of your position, leadership is, is a function of influence. And to influence people, you have to know them. So you need to invest in relationships and really understand how to make a relationship win for both parties. Uh, Many times we take a very, very narrow view 
of this is what has to be done and this is what I think needs to be happened. It, there are many, many ways to accomplish an objective. And what somebody might consider the best way that doesn't have any kind of support, collegial support, organization support, is actually not as good as sort of a dumb idea that has a lot of commitment. Dumb idea meaning it doesn't have all the latest research in there and all the smartest people saying that's going to, but if it has a lot of commitment, you're going to make progress. So again, manage your own resource in terms of your time and make sure that you really invest in other people and, and know who they are. That's great advice. Susan, thank you so much for being on the Transform IT Show. It's been an absolute pleasure to well, thank you. you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure for me too. So not your everyday leadership advice, right? If you're anything like me, you probably found Susan's sometimes contrarian advice somewhat challenging. And you probably found yourself checking off at least a few things that you might try a bit differently. I think that her big message for all of us was that we cannot begin to become great leaders until we know ourselves. Even her advice that might seem so contrarian is really based on that same idea. You have to know yourself, your abilities, your limitations, so that you can know what you can delegate and what you need to handle yourself. And you need to know yourself if you're going to be able to know if you should be leaning in or leaning out. She explained that until you focus on understanding who you are, what you love, and what you want to achieve in life, you will not be in the position to say both yes, and just as importantly, to say no when that's the right thing to say. She called them the powerful yeses and the powerful noes, and she explained that they made all the difference to her. And that's your challenge. How can you focus on yourself enough to know who you are, what you love, and what you want out of life? so that you will be ready to say both yes and no at the right times. If you've joined us live, I'd like to invite you to participate in our morning action challenge. Use hashtag ITChat and share with us what you will do tomorrow morning to really know who you are and where you're going. Also make sure you check out the resources that both Intel and we at the IT Transformation Institute have made available for you. You can check them out at www.intel.com slash ITCenter and on our website at www.transformingit.org. Finally, as we wrap up this first season of the Transform IT Show, don't forget to take advantage of the special offer from Intel to get a copy of my book, The Quantum Age of IT, Why Everything You Know About IT Is About to Change, for 50% off. So that wraps this first season of the Transform IT Show. I hope you've enjoyed these first seven episodes. I know that I certainly enjoyed sharing these amazing conversations with you. We'll be back with season two starting in February of 2015, but make sure you watch for our two live Google Hangouts in January, where I'll be discussing season one highlights with a few special guests. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, that's it for now. Enjoy the holidays and I'll see you in January. I'm Charles Araujo and together we can change the world of IT.